Alright, what's up everybody? DJ Las Latino on the new intro mix. That's the first time I heard it actually, but it sounds pretty good. Um, the best, DJ. Episode 13, Lucky 13. We got some new crew members here. We got Taylor. What up, Taylor and Donnie? How you doing? On the show hey, tonight, guys. making their debut. We're going to talk a little, a little Ty Lawson, a little Summer League, and then close out with a little few thoughts on the Clippers court and things. But uh, let's get started with, with Ty Lawson. So, obviously, he got traded to the Rockets for pretty much nobody's. I mean, Nick Johnson's all right. Costas, I'm not sure how you say his last name. Papa uh, Nicolau. Papa Nicolau, a first-rounder. I mean, it's – what are you, you going to do if you're Denver? Like, you had no leverage. I think that's a fairly decent haul at this point. Um, I mean, it's – they wanted to get rid of him before this, and now the DUI thing again. Yeah, I felt but, like they were just kind of just done with him. They've been trying to trade yeah. him for what feels like forever now. Yeah, yeah, and it feels like, I mean, for me, everyone keeps talking about how Denver, you know, they could have waited and everything, but this isn't a video game. They're trying to get Emmanuel Moutier as the starter. They don't want this thing to boil over. So, I mean, they almost had to make a deal now, and this was the best they could get. There's not really much they could have waited for either if – since we heard, I guess, the only team outside of the Rockets that was even interested was the Lakers, and <laughs> unless they're giving up one of those young guys for Ty, uh, Ty Lawson, which seems pretty unlikely, then... I mean, That's they can get a bunch of contracts they can waive and a potential first, then I guess they kind of had to do it. I was really expecting the Kings to jump in. Just, <laughs> I was really <laughs> expecting that. Yeah, trade Rondo for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking like they were going to trade Macklemore to a Rondo Lawson backcourt. Yeah, of course. Right, I mean, why not? Trade Boogie. <laughs> yeah, that that would be some king shit to do. George Carl, they probably had to hold him down. They probably were like, nope, Lawson is not on the market. You are crazy, little man. <laughs> Perfect guy for that four on five, right? Perfect guy for that four on five offense. So. <laughs> yeah, they got they got to try that out this year. <laughs> Um, so obviously the DUI stuff makes him a bit of an unknown and it's not really fair to say what's all going on we don't really know clearly whether it's just bad decision making I don't know you can't really say like he's addicted like an alcoholic it's unfair to say that but clearly something is going on where he's been making poor decisions lately if now, this is assuming if, like, he's prime Ty Lawson. How much do you guys think this affects Houston's status in the West? I mean, they were the two seed last year, and now you got Lawson. Like, is it en- like, I don't think it's enough to jump like Golden State. I think, still think Golden State's a favorite, but do you think this really changes anything? I was talking to uh, Matt Cianfron. uh he also is a writer here with uh, Friendly Bounce. Uh, I was talking to him last night. He watched the Nuggets for a very long time when he was uh, writing about them. And he says Lawson will probably be like the perfect creator next to James Harden. He's that second creator that they can have with him. He can play off ball. He's reluctant to shoot the three, but 
with a more with them playing Mori ball, he'll probably be a lot more interested in taking that shot. And really, I think they could use him well on the bench a little. They could use him to strengthen up that bench unit. And they could have Beverly play with us. They could stagger it to where Beverly plays more with the starting unit. Lawson plays more with the uh, second unit, and then they kind of just play, bring them all all the starters back together later in the game. Gives them a lot of versatility too. Like Beverly's the kind of guy that can pretty much play with anyone. Uh, they lose a lot of size playing together, uh, but they still have enough bigs and mobile bigs like Terrence Jones and Demo to where they could probably make it work with a small ball group with Beverly and Lawson for at least a bit. I don't know Lawson how much he changes kills pick and roll. Like he yeah, just Lawson kills is a pick, great and roll. pick and roll player. I mean, when you talk about fit, there's really two things you're talking about. And I mean, scheme fit, he's perfect. I don't think there's too much debate for that. He's He's a great fit for the Rockets. They're going to pay some space. He's a better shooter than people give him credit for. Like you said, he's reluctant, but it's not like he's Rondo back there. And they really needed that second creator. I think he's perfect for that. But you talk about his fit next to James Harden. You're relying a lot on either using an undersized lineup, like Taylor said, with Beverly, or you're relying on Ariza being a better defender on the perimeter than he was last year or just rely on Dwight Howard to clean up on the defensive end. But obviously a worthwhile gamble because you're not really giving up anything uh, that's going to affect you next year as a contender. Yeah, that's definitely Sorry, go ahead, Ty. Uh, even, you know, they got killed in the playoffs, specifically against the Warriors when Harden was on the bench. And like Donnie was just saying, it gives them another playmaker. That, so now when Harden's on the bench, the offense won't completely die. I don't know how much he'll be playing without Harden. It seems like they could play together for the most part, but it's just depth, and now Beverly potentially comes off the bench, and just it's a no-brainer for them, obviously. I just think you put the best pick-and-roll big man in the NBA next to two of the best pick-and-roll ball handlers in the NBA. Like, that's just a, that sounds like a recipe for success. Yeah. I mean, when you dump it down to that level, it's, it's perfect, and then sometimes that's what you got to do. Like, people sit here and they throw out a bunch of stuff, but when you put it at that simple level, they're going to figure it out, especially with that kind of talent. And Maury's always been a talent collect guy. He's not a big fit person. They'll figure it out. And they have enough talent that fits their scheme. But their offense is going to be amazing. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's an if. If, he's, if he gets back to, you know, where he was three years ago or so. But regardless, he's going to improve the team and you didn't give anything up. Um, yeah, and if it's a total failure, if the DUIs are a bigger issue than we feared, the was it next year's non-guaranteed anyways? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it is now. So. Make him a totally movable contract, or they can just uh, dump him. Like, this right. is a total non-risk move. It's a low-risk, high-reward move for the Rockets, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they... Like, obviously, the Warriors are still the team to beat, but... In the West, any any help you can get when you got to go through that gauntlet. I mean, even now you got to deal with like the Jazz are going to be a problem. Probably not for the playoffs, but you know, you got to play them. Like, yeah, any, I mean, any help you can get in sure. the West right now is is huge. So I think it's definitely worthwhile for the Rockets to pick them up. But yeah, it sh- it should be really interesting to see what they do uh, if they sort of bring them off the bench more and let them just run that second unit, or if they try to play them together. I, it's going to be really interesting. Just another another storyline for the West. But uh, you guys have any 
Any sort of final thoughts on Lawson? Otherwise, we'll move on. I mean, for me, I just think he's he's better than people give him credit for when he's right, as you said. I mean, you look at the numbers. He was fourth in assist rate in the league last year, and he had a pretty mediocre year for him considering the last few years. He was fourth in assist rates on that Denver team. He's a really, really good passer out of the pick-and-roll and a really, really good pick-and-roll system. I just think the fit is perfect offensively if he can get right. I agree. It's still obviously the Warriors and then everyone else. Uh, they're bringing back the same team that won it last year and won 82 games or whatever it was. I still think it puts the Rockets in the top five with the Clippers and Spurs and Oklahoma City, assuming they're all alive and healthy. And uh, so, I don't know. I still don't think they can beat the Warriors with this team on paper, but they probably have a better chance than they did last year, of course. They improved. The West is really hard. you got to get better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the West is sort of just get to the playoffs and then figure, figure it out later. Matchups, for sure. Um, all right, well, we obviously got to wait and see on that, but definitely definitely interesting. So, move on. Talk a little Summer League. The uh, I think the Spurs just won the title tonight. Yeah, I don't know. Becky Hammond got a Gatorade bath. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, that was that was cool. Um, I'm glad you got that chance. Did you? I don't know how much you guys watched it. I was out there for a few days. Um, did you guys have any favorite teams, favorite players, favorite moments that sort of stuck out to you? Obviously, you know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot, but it's still fun to, to finally see these guys. Um, anything that stuck out? I missed most of Vegas, but I saw all of Orlando because I was there. And Stanley Johnson it was just... Put him in that summer league system where there's no set there's no set defense to get in his way, and the offense is like all pick and rolls and minimal sets, and he just overpowers everyone. Stanley Johnson was a monster in Orlando and far and away outside of like Aaron Gordon, the best player there. He was the best rookie there easily. Stanley Johnson. Yeah, Johnson. Like when I we play them, I worked with Xavier and we play them in the Sweet 16. And like seeing him up close, that dude is just. Bill, like I'm sure he's even put on more weight, but like the dude is so thick, it's ridiculous. I talked to a scout there. Apparently, he's like 3.8 percent body fat. <laughs> the rest is just muscle. <laughs> I think yeah. a lot of one underrated. Sorry about that. Uh, one, one underrated thing I didn't think a lot of us knew about before the summer league was Carl Towns passing. Uh, that's like that from game one. That was like the huge thing about him because we saw him in spurts obviously Kentucky playing five minutes at a time we couldn't really see him at his full game making self game what am I saying playmaking self uh, so Minnesota's probably still going to be horrible next year but it's yeah. pretty easy to see how awesome they could be in like three years if he's as awesome as he looks yeah, I mean, obviously another team in the West needs another loaded roster in a couple of years. But, I mean, my favorite thing, obviously, was Alan Crabb, who's an actual NBA player, fouling out of a summer league game, which is really hard to do. I mean, I don't even know how you get ten fouls, but he did it, and that was impressive. And I think a close second for me was that the Knicks fans turned their opinion around on Porzingis so fast that he was going to be the worst draft pick ever at number four, and now if he's worse than Dirk. They're all going to be disappointed. So that was probably my favorite thing of Summer League because that's, that's such a Summer League moment. 
you see him against bad competition. And I mean, I was pretty high on Porzingis. I think he's going to be a good player, but just the fact that he hit some incredible shots against some mediocre competition has changed everyone's opinion already. It's just kind of hilarious to me. Yeah, I think my favorite moment was the Hazonja dunk, which I actually missed oh, wow. live because I was yeah. interviewing like players in the hallway for uh, audio, and also I just heard this <laughs> roar of like, "This is media and players, like this is not fans." You just hear this roar of people. It's like, what just happened? Yeah, like, Hazonja showed out. He sure did. Well, <laughs> it was funny. He was either like Hazon. He was exactly what we kind of like think his NBA career might be. He had these incredible, awesome moments, and then he had just these terrible stretches of play where it's like, this guy's a top five pick. Yeah. I think my my favorite like single moment was I was sitting sitting front row on like press row for Celtics uh, Blazers. The actually the game crab fouled out and uh some dude on, I forget where he's from, but this dude's name is Jonathan Holmes, and he's, like, backing somebody down, takes, like, this turnaround fadeaway, and um, McCollum was sitting on the bench for the Blazers, and he <laughs> he sees Holmes take this shot and just goes, hell nah. This <laughs> 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 is, like, complete brick. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just, like, it was pretty funny sitting close enough that you can hear the players talking trash to each other on the bench. Um, the funniest thing I heard in Orlando was uh, PJ Harrison got called for a foul. I couldn't see what he got called for. I guess he was uh, pushing the guy too hard, or he pushed him off his spot. And he when he he turned to the ref and just goes, "I just lift more than him." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's what's awesome. Like, I don't, if anyone ever has a chance to go to summer league, even not as media, just as a fan, because you can get close. You sit right there. It's it's a pretty cool experience to see everything up that close. Um, obviously, I loved R.J. Hunter. Um, it was pretty fun to see him shoot. Marcus Smart play defense. Um, the, Does the Marcus Smart not know how to turn off the switch? No, not at all. Hey, Rozier's the same way. They play just like 100% all the time. Marcus Smart, <laughs> I'm sure other people were just like, dude, come on. It's summer league. Like, <laughs> You already have a con- you already have a contract, and like some some dude like from the D League is trying to show out, and Smart's just like smothering him. <laughs> but uh, but the uh, Wolves Wolves Lakers game, like twelve thousand people showed up, and they had to open open the upper deck in Thomas and Mac. That was pretty cool. The Laker fans were just Laker fans are insane. Uh, no. They booed their summer league team. Yeah, they were booing their summer league team. Like, <laughs> hey, nuts. Mark Madsen welcomes that pressure, man. Mark Madsen <laughs> welcomes that pressure. Did you see him after the game? You thought he lost game seven the way he was reacting. Yeah, but um, you guys have any other thoughts on summer league? Obviously, it's not really a big deal. It's just cool. Uh, no, it's fun. I mean, you kind of get that persona from everybody. For instance, I realized that someone who lives in the Bulls, Area, uh, Bobby Portis is going to stare at me for the next seven years because he's got he's just got the most intense eyes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And even like during timeouts and stuff, it, they show him, and I think he's staring at me through the screen, and I'm a little scared. So bodes well for his NBA career if I'm scared and I'm sitting in my living room. But 
like that Don Levy vine where he just kind of like sneaks in, and just staring at the yeah. camera. Like, exactly. What's up? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. After after every Bulls game this year, I'm definitely gonna have to look up the like USA Today images because just from summer league, they only had a few games, but the pictures of Portis are hilarious. Really. <laughs> yeah, for sure. His facial expressions are so great. Um, all right, going to wrap things up. You guys have any thoughts on the Clippers' new court that they just debuted? I don't know if everybody listening saw it, but they it's dropped really the new best court they could have done. The best they could have done with that logo and oh, the color yeah. scheme and all the bits <laughs> they're trying to do. The worst thing, well, there are a lot of bad things about it, but the worst thing, I think, is the little lines on the end. I think it's after it says, I like Clippers <laughs> on the baseline, yeah. trying to act like it's some kind of nautical... <laughs> yeah. When they're just two lines, they're two lines touching each other, and that's that's as far as it goes. <laughs> yeah, they definitely read to, like tried to make too much of that, like going to our nautical roots. Like, like you could exactly. you could have yeah. done more than you could have done more than that. It's like, <laughs> I mean, go big or go home with that, right? Like, I'm just not happy. Exactly. Why they do why they do the circle with the basketball? Why don't they just do the LAC logo? Why do they need the basketball there? Um, I don't know, because the logo's terrible, and it looks like something like Adam Sandler made for Pixels. Like, that's what I think it looks like. But I mean, It's not the worst court ever, it's just it's... No, I mean, yeah, they did an okay job considering the logo, but the logo matters so much for your court, and, I mean, yeah. in my opinion, it's terrible, so... <laughs> yeah, I thought the they have, like, the thing on the baseline, or the sideline, right by midcourt that says Clipper Nation, that they definitely yeah. just invented... That's just, gonna go. They just made that up right now. Like, oh, we need we need something here. Like, we should have some writing here. How about Clipper Nation? <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> that guy, the guy who came up with that is not keeping his job. So. <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys have any final thoughts on on anything that's happened in the basketball world lately? Otherwise, we'll call it a show. August, late July is just dead zone. <laughs> dead zone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but, you know, this is the time anyone can overreact. I think this is the time of year oh, that yeah. most fans are most positive, which is always fun on Twitter. Before Twitter, it was kind of a boring time. But now you can favorite everyone's tweets and show them to them in six months <laughs> when their opinions about their favorite teams are terrible. So that's what I'm excited about. Especially now that all Laker fans have turned on D'Angelo Russell after a couple oh, my of goodness. Yeah, summer he's games. <laughs> he's a bust. Right. <laughs> all right. There we go. Hold on. Here we go. Alright. Well, that's the show for, for tonight. Taylor and Donnie, good debuts. DJ Lost Latino playing us out. We'll catch you guys later. Later.